In February, the state government and Nature Conservancy announced plans for the permanent protection of more than 14,000 acres of Adirondack forests, wetlands, and watershed located near Tupper Lake. To learn about what's in store for the land, including a novel approach to addressing indigenous rights on the property, we're joined by Stu Gruskin, Chief Conservation and External Affairs Officer for the Nature Conservancy. Welcome back to the show, Stu. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, for starters, can you describe... I guess, the makeup of the 14,000-plus acres in the Adirondacks, including why they represent an ecologically rare and culturally significant land? Yeah. So the Follinsby property, for good reason, has been on the radar screen of New York State since really the beginning of the open space program. So the property really has two distinct pieces. So there's the pond, which is actually a 1,000-acre lake, and then there's the portion that's adjacent to the Racket River. And from an ecological standpoint, the lake is very unusual. It's, it's one of a handful of deep cold water lakes that support a population of species that rely on that kind of environment. On the other side of the, the property, where you have 6,000 acres of wilderness land that adjoins the High Peaks Wilderness, as well as 10 miles of the Racket River, presents a whole different kind of ecological and conservation opportunity. Mm -hmm. The land is also really historic because it was the site of the 1858 Philosopher's Camp, where a group of intellectuals from Boston came to the Adirondacks to think about the relationship of nature and society. It was also the site of the restoration of bald eagles in New York State, and there's an indigenous history. So it's really a, a storied property with a lot of different kinds of opportunities. Well, in recent years, how has this property been utilized, if at all? Because it's my understanding that the Nature Conservancy has had ownership of the land since about 2008. Yes, yeah, so the Nature Conservancy acquired it in 2008. And actually, the state had attempted to acquire it earlier. When Mario Cuomo was governor, there was a deal with the property owner that fell apart at the last minute because uh, a failure of the legislature to appropriate funds, or I don't know, there was a, a glitch in the plan that resulted in the landowner essentially getting burned by the state, not being able to move forward with the transaction. And then it took quite a long time of the Nature Conservancy building a relationship with the landowner until 2008, when the landowner said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to sell. And you know they were very good stewards of the property, so the Nature Conservancy acquired it in 2008, which coincided with the Finch deal, which, of course, was 160,000 acres, incredibly complicated transaction that took until about 2016 or 2017 to complete. So really, the discussions about Follinsby with New York State began in 2016 and 2017. And in the last decade and a half, though, ha has this property been utilized for any recreational purposes or any industrial purposes or, or anything significant? Nope. So, so once the Nature Conservancy acquired the property in 2008, um, it's been held for conservation purposes. We did begin studying it in 2008 after we bought it. We worked with McGill University, with Cornell, uh, and with others in order to really understand the ecology of the lake, the unique attributes of the property. And the Nature Conservancy will often start these kinds of conservation projects with the science. So we wanted to really get an understanding of the land. And I would say the Nature Conservancy is an environmental group that is not afraid to get their feet wet and our hands dirty. And so we're on the land really to understand it. But it wasn't used for any 
purposes other than really getting prepared to talk about how we solve this complicated conservation problem. So the plan moving forward is for two so-called conservation easements as well as a research consortium initiative with the state. And I want to get to the research consortium in a second. But first, what can you tell us about what a conservation easement is and what is it about these easements in this case that makes them a little unique? So so in this case, it really was a conservation puzzle to, to solve because the property offered so many different kinds of benefits, right? There were public recreation benefits, there were science research benefits, there were historic and cultural benefits. So we needed to come up with a way of maximizing what those benefits would be on a going forward basis. And we decided that the flexibility offered by easements was the best way to go. And an easement is the conveyance of an interest in property. And oftentimes they're restrictive, but they can also be permissive. And in this case, we divided the property into two easements, one of which is, I would say, permissive in the sense that this is the place where the public is going to have access, 6,000 acres, that's the river easement, that's uh, 10 miles of the western shoreline of the Racket River, that is currently not open to the public, but the public will now have access there, it'll be managed by DEC, and it's 6,000 acres of new wilderness experience, and that's hunting and fishing and camping and all of the things that, that people like to do as part of outdoor recreation. The other easement is the pond easement, and that is more restrictive, right? That's really where we are focusing the science research effort and taking advantage of the unique ecological attributes of the lake to become a novel freshwater preserve. And, you know, if you think about you're going to go visit a nature preserve, you usually think about going to a place where you can go hiking that's land-based. In this case, we're creating a preserve that's water-based. And it's a different kind of concept, but it's really based upon the need to advance freshwater science in light of a freshwater biodiversity crisis that's global. So we're able to kind of create the best of both worlds by utilizing two easements in this case. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. We're speaking with Stu Gruskin, Chief Conservation and External Affairs Officer for the Nature Conservancy. And we're talking about a land deal announced that's supposed to protect about 14,000 acres of Adirondack property. So in the press release from the Hoka administration, it talks about restoring uh, opportunities for indigenous peoples to access and uh, care for what would have been their ancestral homelands. What is there in this deal that uh, allows for that? So that's another precedent-setting aspect of this deal that we have included in the conservation easements as among the permitted uses, working with the Haudenosaunee and the Abenaki to determine where there are opportunities for those kinds of cultural uses and actually focusing on what the traditional relationship of the indigenous peoples has been with the land. And we've been working in partnership with the Center for Native Peoples and the Environment at SUNY ESF. It's really a an incredible program that they have there on uh, restoration, which is a way of telling the story. For a long time, people just believed there was no indigenous history in the Adirondacks or in, in the Follinsby Pond area. Part of this is going to be going back and, and focusing on what that history is and looking for opportunities for those kinds of traditional activities to happen on the land. So it's expressly permitted as part of this deal. 
was that a component that the Nature Conservancy pushed for? Is this something that the state dreamed up? I mean, how did this come to be? So I would say this entire deal was a collaborative effort, right? This was countless hours of trying to figure out what are all of the factors to be taken into account, what are all the potential benefits. And, you know, I think DEC has been doing a, a terrific job of, of focusing on the indigenous history of, of lands in New York. And this was just a, a really good opportunity to incorporate into a land transaction, recognizing that history and recognizing that there's a place for recognizing the importance of those activities in this kind of transaction. So it was a it was a joint effort. Going back to the research component of this deal, the idea is for this to become a quote unquote global destination. Why is there an expectation that as a research preserve this is such a, an exciting opportunity? So as I spoke to freshwater scientists about this, I was really struck by their enthusiasm for it. There is a freshwater biodiversity crisis. You know, there's a, the combination of climate change and biodiversity loss has led to an 80% loss of freshwater species since the 1970s. And to have a property the size of Follinsby with the attributes of it, it's a, a deep lake with cold water, provides an opportunity to understand the dynamics of that kind of system that is really unique. In order to to really develop a robust research agenda, we've reached out and created this, again, kind of precedent-setting public-private consortium to determine what that research agenda is going to be to best take advantage of that opportunity. So in order to secure these easements, the state is paying through the Environmental Protection Fund, the Nature Conservancy, about $9.3 million. How is that price reached, and why is that a good state investment? So um, I would actually say it's a great state investment. Um, so the price is is reached by uh, third-party appraisals. DEC goes out and gets two appraisals, uh, then goes through both a, a local and a central office appraisal review process, um, and then it's sent off to the controller's office for another look at the appraisal. So the price is not a... Um, negotiated price the same way if you were going to sell your house and I was going to try to buy it, we'd haggle on the price. This is really fixed by the appraisals. Um, And, you know, I think that there are a lot of different values for the state, starting with the new public recreation opportunities on the river portion. You know, 6,000 acres is about half the size of Manhattan, to kind of put it in a frame of reference. Um, You know, the ability for the state to focus on the um, the freshwater research and be a leader nationally and internationally in climate and in research, I think is terrific value. These, this has gotten the support of the local communities, uh, the local governments, because it's going to bring people to the area, bring attention to the area. Um, and I think that across the board, it's, it's a really effective way of achieving um, open space conservation and really capturing you know, multiple benefits for, you know, if you're a research scientist or if you're a hiker or if you're both. Well, I was interested in part about the price because according to the Adirondack Explorer, when 
you purchased the property in 2008, you spent $16 million. So you're losing like $7 million on this deal. So did anyone sort of explain the math and how you really want to make money when you spell property? Well, I'll say that um, generally speaking, the Nature Conservancy is not in the business of making money by selling property. And in this case, we did... um, realized along the way that going down the easement route would mean essentially leaving money in the land, right? So the Nature Conservancy continues to own it. But that also gives us, a, um, I think, an important opportunity to be engaging with the state on the, the research agenda and, you know, really taking advantage of those areas where there's an intersection of interest. So from the Nature Conservancy's mission, it's a very good investment for us to, to stay you know, engaged that way in the land and that we're, we're, not, we're not interested in just, you know, buying something and cashing out. The Nature Conservancy is really interested in trying to figure out, you know, how can we advance, advance science? How can we advance the, um, the experiences of, of people out in nature? You know, how can we work with communities? How can we partner with the state? How can we partner with other, you know, with academic institutions? And all of it goes into the mix of it being a great value proposition for everybody. Well, we've been speaking with Stu Gruskin. He is the Chief Conservation and External Affairs Officer for the Nature Conservancy. Stu, thanks so much for visiting us. Thanks for having me. I'll look forward to chatting with you again. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and healthcare.